Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophets Speak. Today we continue our study of Shmuel Aleph, the first book of Samuel, chapter 20. When we completed chapter 19, uh, Saul, the king, was um, prophesying. And it's important to remember the context. Uh, if, in chapter 19, we found Saul on the, in the beginning being convinced by Jonathan, by his son, to uh, not harm David. But then he went on to trying to harm him again and trying to, to, to um, kill him. And then he chased him all the way to, to, um, to Nayot, to the place where Shmuel, where Samuel was teaching the prophets. And Saul joined the prophets. And one got the sense that maybe this new uh, approach, Saul having this spiritual awakening with, uh, with Samuel the prophet, might be what brings him around. But... Um, and we're going to get the sense in a minute that in the beginning of chapter 19, it was uh, David who was not convinced that Saul was after him. David, who still had, had, had um, confidence that Saul was going to treat him well, whereas Jonathan was the one who was afraid for David's safety. But now uh, the things flip. Uh, David, now that uh, presumably because Saul had taken several attempts at his life that were blatant and open, uh, David is now convinced that Saul is after him. But Jonathan feels that, no, his father's promise to him to save David's life and to keep him alive and to support him was solid. And now he's having a spiritual experience with Samuel. Maybe he's bonding again with, Sam, with Shmuel, with the prophet, and, and you know, bringing himself closer to God. And then eventually he'll recognize Shmuel's um, promise that that uh, that he need to David to the people to God to David that that David was going to be the king and maybe Saul will eventually just uh, peacefully hand over power. Another thing is there's a, there's a subtext here and that is is that what we don't know and we're never told what Saul knows about about David having been appointed king. We get the impression that Shaul for for most of this, the, uh, the last several chapters where the enmity between David and Saul was uh, started to play out, we don't know if Shaul was aware of the anointing ceremony, the ceremony that, that Shmuel had in Beit Lechem in Bethlehem in David's hometown uh, where he anointed David as the next king. Obviously, Shaul knows that, that, that Shmuel... Uh, uh, took him down from being king and told him that his kingdom was going to end. But we don't know if, if Shaul was told, and, get, and indeed we were given the impression, even though it's not explicit, but it's implicit, the impression that Shaul was not aware of that, uh, that, that uh, coronation ceremony, so to speak, in which David was appointed king. However, as the next chapter unfolds, we start to get the hint that, that Shaul was, was made aware of that story. In fact, it would be difficult to imagine that no one told him. But even though, it's again, it's still not explicit in this coming chapter, we start to get hints that Shaul realized and knew and had heard about that ceremony, and therefore uh, he realized that it was his job to hand it over. And instead of doing it, in, and as I pointed out, he had so many opportunities to to do it graciously, and walk off the scene of history as a hero. 
as the first unifying king, he took it angrily and with jealousy. But even Saul had moments, and one of those moments was when he promised his son Jonathan. The second one of those, another one of those moments was the one we just finished with when he was prophesying, when he had that spiritual experience with Samuel. But as we'll see, those moments weren't enough. He had the opportunity, but he didn't take the opportunity. His hatred and his jealousy um, overwhelmed him too much. So let's start with the ch- beginning of chapter 20. Now, David, <coughs> when Saul was having his prophetic experience, um, David uh, d- didn't buy it. He knew that he was in danger if he stayed there because, remember, Saul came there looking for David. David was there too. Whether they saw each other or encountered each other, it would seem not, but we're, we're not told what happened. But David knew that if he hung around too long, as soon as Saul wakes up from his trance, David is going to be his next target. So he ran from that place, Nayot, which is the place in Ramah, which, remember, is the hometown, the region where Shmuel lived, where the prophet lived. And he came, uh, presumably, back to Givah, where where Saul's uh, seat of his kingdom was. And he said before Jonathan, so he meets uh, his his close uh, friend, uh, confident Jonathan, Saul's son. Me'asisi, what have I done? Me'avoni, what is my sin? Me'chatasi, and what is my crime? Lefne'avicha, before your father. Kimevakeshes nafshi, that he's trying to kill me. What have I done so wrong? What, 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 what's, why is he after me? Fayomerlo, and Jonathan answered him. Chalila, heaven forbid. Lotamus, you will not die. My father does not do any big thing or small thing that he doesn't tell me beforehand. So here Jonathan is saying, my father, basically what he's saying is my father promised me he wasn't going to harm you um, and, and he's not going to harm you and I know what my father's doing, right? Because he tells me everything. I'm his closest confidant. confidant. I'm the crown prince. And why would he hide this from me? Anzos, this can't be. It's impossible. Uh, so here we have kind of, it's flipped. Before it was um, uh, Jonathan who warned David of the danger. Now, it, uh, so it was Jonathan who knew that his father was out after David and David who wasn't sure and he had to have him come out to the field and talk and so on to, so that David should hear his father say what he had to say. Now it's the other way around. So, Vayishava O David, and David swore further. Um, and here it sounds like this, this, this swearing here is just uh, not so much a sh- Usually a swear means to swear on the truth of, of, of a fact or to swear that someone will do something, which we'll see shortly. This swearing seems to be a, an emphasis of how strong David said this in order to convince Jonathan that no, 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 this this. Fear is real. Vayomer, and he said, Yodoa yoda avicha. Your father knows very well, that you have found favor, that I have found favor in your eyes. In other words, he knows that you're a close friend of mine. So this idea that you're confident that he would tell you, of course he's not telling. Vayomer, al I don't want Jonathan to know about my plans because he's going to be upset. So you're... You're, um, you're so confident because your father would have told you, but he wouldn't have told you because he knows that we're close. However, 
by God's life and by, by and by and and by your life ki there is like one footstep between um, this is fesa even though it's written with the letter sin sin and samach are often interchangeable it's like a psia as a step as a footstep this is just one step between me and death i take one wrong step and be in the wrong place at the wrong time that's the end Saul will take the opportunity to kill me it's possible and in fact probable that David understood that Saul had these moments of in and out, moments of, of, of hatred and jealousy and moments of spirituality and, and generosity. But he knew that all I need is to make one wrong step and tip Saul in the wrong direction and, and, and I'm toast. I can't rely on someone who is so um, you know, fickle like that, someone who will flip back and forth like that all I need is for him to be in a rage, and I'm done. You know, we've seen this idea that Saul has this, um, these, these moods, melancholy moods, and, and, and moods of anger. So, Vayomer David el Yehonasan. So, I'm sorry, I skipped uh, verse 4. Vayomer Yehonasan el David. So, Jonathan said to David, okay, I gotcha. Tell me what you want, and I'll do it for you. Tell me how, how you want this to play out. Tell me what you need from me. I'm going to help you. So David wants to pull off another test, right? To, in other words, David is sure that all he needs is to do the wrong, take the wrong step and he's done. So David is going to devise a test which we can really only understand if we recognize that Saul was aware, right, that, that David had been anointed king, the next king as, his, as Saul's successor, in his hometown. And there's several things that have to be understood um, in order to understand this test that David is going to devise. And one of them was what I just said, that Saul was likely aware. And Saul was likely aware that, that, that the, the next king is going to be established and it will be a, a monarchy like any other monarchy, which is passed from father to son, uh, for generations, it will be the house that leads Israel, and that, that house will not be Saul. And also understand, and we've seen hints of this, and I've pointed them out pretty much every time they came up, that the enmity between the tribes, uh, the tribe of Judah and the rest of the tribes of Israel, and the fact that they're developing two different cultures, two different um, uh, groups, the people of Israel versus the people of Judah, which will eventually be the split that it's going to occur in several generations, um, a split that caused so much destruction and so much suffering and fighting uh, among the people of Israel, that it's already there, and that this split is evident between uh, Saul, who is uh, who would who is from the tribe of Benjamin, one of the 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 other tribes, and David, who's from Judah, uh, one of the uh, from Judah. So. If you understand that, you can understand how this test kind of works, and and Saul's moods, and you know how he flips back and forth from anger and jealousy to, to um, to to something more uh, faithful to God and the people, and 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 what would be responsible and right for the leadership. So David is going to devise the ultimate test, and this test is going to show where Saul's heart really lies and exactly what it is that ticks him off. And once, he once Jonathan recognizes what it is that's ticking off his father, so to speak, he'll realize that there really is no turning back. 
You know, if it's something mild, something small, something which, which can be patched up, maybe we can work it out. But if it's something so fundamental and so deep, then da- Jonathan will recognize and realize, and David will recognize and realize that there is no chance. This test is being devised because even though in this conversation which we just had, David was the one who was certain that he was going to be killed by Saul, and Jonathan was the one who was not certain. And in the previous conversation between the two, the, 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 um, the, that was flipped, right? Both of them still, clearly both of them still harbored some level of doubt. So, This is verse 5. David says to Jonathan, Tomorrow is Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow is the first day of the month. And apparently they had a tradition back then to celebrate the first day of the month with a special feast. So, and you know, since I'm a member of the royal court, David said, I am slated to sit with the king to eat at his feast. And instead of me going, I want you to send me. I want you to send me away. And what am I going to do when you send me away? I'm going to hide in the field until the third night. Presumably, this feast lasted three nights. Um, now let's see what your father does. In Pakodiv Kedeni Avicha, if your father, um, uh, you know, Pakod is like to count out the people that are present. So if he looks around the, the table and sees that uh, he notices that I'm not there, Viamarta, I want you to say and he's going to ask, "Where's David?" So and so you answer, "Nishol Nishalmi Meni David." David asked me permission, Lorutz, to go Beit Lechem, Iro, to his hometown, Bethlehem. Because his entire family is going to have a zevach, a carbon, a sacrifice. They're, they had a family feast, and he went to celebrate with his family. Now, the best way to understand this is they're pushing Saul's button, Right? Because what, where, when was David, and where was David, and how was David appointed and anointed king by Samuel? He went to Beit Lechem to his family, and among them, right, the ruse that was set up, if you recall, was that Samuel said he's going there to have a zevach, to have a carbon. So clearly this was designed to click in Saul's mind as, whoa, right? If, if not to... To say that, uh, to hint to him that it's possible that David is went there for some kind of ceremony, um, in, in 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 establishing some sort of leadership, at least to remind Saul of the ceremony that had been had to happen. It seems pretty clear that this is what that they're deliberately trying to see. And what's this? What would this demonstrate? This would demonstrate that there's no way that Saul, if he can't come to peace with this. Right? then maybe we can patch this up a little bit, convince him a little bit today, convince him a little bit tomorrow. But the bottom line is right, that if he can't accept that David is going to become the king after Saul, right, then, then, then it's never going to work. So this is the ultimate way to convince. And that's why this is such a, a, an intelligent uh, and ingenious test. Right? Because the bottom line is, is that David and Jonathan will now be 100% convinced that there's no chance in, on the other hand, if Saul does take this well, Imko Yomar, verse 7, Tov, Shalom, Lavdacha, okay, that's fine. 
let there uh, let there be peace to your servant. In other words, uh, he's fine. Let him, you know, he's okay. You know, the fact that he's not here, he wasn't, uh, didn't get harmed, and he's there. Then we see that this prophesying that's all had by Samuel and all that's and the promise that he made that he's going to keep it, he'll accept it. And so, so we get the idea that even they understood that even at this point, there's still a chance for Saul to change paths and take the right path. However, if what this does is it infuriates him, repetitive words, is he gets infuriated, da, then we, then we know that, 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 that he has completely decided uh, to, to do bad, to take the bad path, to take the path of committing evil, of harming David, and not, um, and not being um, doing his task, which would have been to peacefully transfer power. And when that happens, you will do, and remember this is David speaking to Jonathan, you will do kindness to your servant, because the two of us made a covenant together. You brought your servant. This is David speaking to Jonathan and, and calling David calling himself your servant, Jonathan's servant. With you, um, you, 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 you brought us and, or we brought each other into a covenant together, a promise to help each other. And if I do have any sin, if I have sinned against the king, then Hamiseni Ata then you have every right to kill me as the crown prince. If I have been rebellious against the king, if I have done anything to harm you, um, uh, you have every right to do that. Uh, uh, but you know, David obviously knew that he didn't. In other words, that David himself at no point acted in any way to harm the king or to rebel against the king. But to your father, why should you bring me to your father? He is clearly not going to fairly judge me because I have, as, as David started this chapter, I have not done anything to rebel. I have not done anything that, that would even suggest a, a, a mutiny against the king. By Yomri on a son, this is verse 9. So Jonathan answered and said, Chalil Allah, heaven, uh, um, uh, it's, uh, woe to you. In other words, that, that don't talk like this. Don't speak this way. Don't, don't, how could you say something like that? Ki doa eida. Because if I find out, in other words, if we do this test and I find out that he has completely decided to do evil from my father to come upon you and hurt you, that I shouldn't tell you, of course I'm going to tell you. right? Of course I am faithful to you. I, I, we made that promise to each other. If I find out, we do this and I find out that, that this, there's no way, there's no way back, it's complete, the, the decision to go take the bad path is complete. I will let you know so that um, uh, and for your safety. Vayomer David al Yonasan. So David said to Jonathan, "Okay, let's be practical now. Mi yagidli, who is going to tell me how exactly are you going to get this message to me? It's not like Jonathan can get up in the middle of the feast and, and when he finds out that Saul is angry and go tip him off. What's your plan? Oh my yamcha avicha kasha, right?" Right? Who is going to tell me if your father takes that cho- that choice and d- d- ter- decides to answer you harshly and get mad? David. So Jonathan said to David as follows: Let's go Let's go out into the field. This conversation, they started getting worried. Um, the most uh, the most um, safe place to have a private conversation 
is outdoors because you know indoors you never know who's listening behind which which wall behind which window behind which doorway etc let's go outside and they went outside um once they were outside in a safe, secret place, Jonathan says to David as follows, Adonai Elohei Yisrael, he swears by God, the Lord of Israel, I am going to uh, uh, search out my father. And I'm, I'm going to play this, do this test. We're going to figure out what my father's heart is and where he lies. This will be at about this time of day, tomorrow, hashlishit, on, or... Uh, on the third day. In other words, Machar here doesn't mean necessarily tomorrow, but it means a day in the future, like, you know, the third day into the future. And if there is, if, he, if, if the situation is good for David, in other words, uh, Saul has recognized that he um, should not deal with him harshly, then I will not send anything. I'm sorry. And I, uh, if I will not, in other words, I will send a message to you. There's no reason for secrecy then. I'll just send the messenger. And I will tell you what happened. You know, I'll send someone to say, you know, Saul uh, said it's okay for you to go on your family, uh, uh, to your family feast. You know, why don't you come back and join the, when you're ready, come back and join the royal household and everything will be happy. However, son. Right, he's saying this in a language of uh, it's a little difficult verse to translate because he's saying this in a language uh, that suggests a shvua, uh, suggests a oath that so shall God do to Jonas son of Achol Yosef, and so he shall um, um, uh, 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 c- continue to do to me. In other words, so should God punish me if I don't do. The following under the following situation, that if my father decides, if it pleases my father to take the bad path, in other words, so God should punish me if my father takes the bad path, and I don't I, um, um, reveal to you and send a message to you so that, in other words, I inform you so that you can escape in peace. It's a little bit difficult because there's a lot of uh, tenses and a lot of ifs and ands or buts in this statement. I'm trying to translate it in a way that kind of makes sense in English. And then if this happens, I'm going to warn you. Like I just said, I'm going to warn you so that you can go in peace. And God shall be with you, just like he was with my father. In other words, Jonathan is recognized. I think this is a really important point. Jonathan recognizes that his father as king was appointed by God. And that historically, we should look at his father's reign as something very positive in the history of the development of the people of Israel and the Jewish people. He was an important king. He was the king that finally united the people. He built an army. He defended the people. <clears throat> and at least in the beginning, he was faithful to God. He was humble. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't rule in a in a in a uh, oppressive way over the people. We have no indication that Saul, uh, you know, uh, abused his his power until until he found out that someone else was going to take it from him. That's when he became jealous and enraged and could not fathom or could not just get um, uh, uh, just couldn't let go. So Jonathan is saying, just as he was with me, I know Jonathan is saying that you will eventually be king and um, 
and God will be with you. And, and even though it doesn't say explicitly in this verse that da- Jonathan knows that David will be king, it's obvious when he says that God should be with you just like he was with my father. Clearly, that subtext was known. It was just not spoken. And presumably, the reason why it wasn't spoken that David will be king, because at this point that Saul is still sitting on the throne, it would be, and it can reasonably be interpreted, as open rebellion if anyone would explicitly state that, David, you will be king. That could be, and that would give Saul a real excuse to kill him, right? What do they want to happen? What Jonathan and David and God and Samuel Every, you know, what do they want to happen? And I put God in there only meaning because God is all of those people I mentioned, David, Samuel, uh, and Jonathan, want to do God's bidding, which is want that Saul should, out of his own heart, hand the kingdom in a peaceful way over to David. Um, unfortunately, Saul was not willing to do that. And um, as long as I am alive, Right, Veloitasa, that again, this is written in a um, in a language that that and as long there's no way, right, that if I am still alive, Veloitasaimadi, that you should not do with me Chesed Adonai, the kindness of God Veloamos, right, and even after I die, right, um, that you shall still be kind to me and to my family. In other words, Jonathan is saying what I want, right, that you will always be peaceful with me when you do take over and this transfer of power happens, however it happens, whenever it happens, whether I'm alive or dead, that you, David, will treat me and my family uh, kindly. This is verse 15. And you will not cut off your kindness from my household, from my family forever. Right? That in other words, you, David, will not act out of spite. You will not come to slaughter my family. You will not come to hurt my family. In other words, and we can hear the hints of, of how uh, what Jonathan wants is a united people. He wants Israel and Judah to be united forever. This friendship between David and Jonathan is the kind of friendship that God wanted between these two halves of the people, which unfortunately didn't happen uh, for the uh, um, historically the enmity built over time and got worse and worse until they split into separate nations and eventually led the, uh, arguably led to the destruction. But, um, but forever, I want you and your house to always treat me and my house forever um, uh, uh, with peace. And even when God destroys all the enemies of David, Ishmael Pnei Adama, from the face of the earth, because obviously that's what's going to have to happen for David to be king. And so even though I understand that that may involve some members of my family, however, those that remain faithful, that stay faithful to you, David, I want you to make sure, those that God does not wipe out, right, I want you to promise that you will be peaceful with the remnants of my family forever, so that this is not a what unfortunately is typical for a transfer of power, where one king kills off everyone associated with the previous one, but rather this is something that ends in peace. So when you do take over, and this is just a hint here, it, it, with the house of David, at this point there is no house of David, right? Uh, so this is a um, kind of something 
that seems to have been written later on, many people, a scholar would look at this and say, uh, clearly this verse was written later on when there was a Beit David, when there was a house of David. So saying that Jonathan signed a pact. However, I, I don't think so. I think this Beit David is, is actually, this is as, as we see in Jonathan's words, this is contemporaneous. In other words, Jonathan said before and understood that David was going to eventually be king, which is why Jonathan is making a bris, he's making an agreement, the covenant with the house of David for the whole future. Jonathan is looking into the future saying that the king, the house of David should treat the house of Saul in a peaceful and kind way. And then he said, and may God um, um, uh, uh, punish the, uh, the enemies of David. By Yosef, Yonasan, Lashbiat, David, and Yonasan continued to ask David to swear to, the, uh, to solidify this friendship, also because he loved him so much. It wasn't swear, making him swear, because sometimes one person makes the other person swear because they're enemies. And it makes him swear because he doesn't trust him. So the verse, the the the, Navi, the prophet says here in a very clear way that this swearing was one a swearing that came out of love. I swear, I swear, I swear that I'm going to be with you like one of two people who love each other, promising each other that they will forever be there to support each other even beyond death. Um, so uh, this is going to end the first half of chapter twenty. Thank you so much for studying. Uh, uh, Samuel, the, first, uh, the beginning of this chapter 20, looking forward to studying the rest of this chapter together and, of course, the rest of this book of Samuel together.